Hey everyone, you're listening to Super Women. Today's guest is the iconic Suzanne Summers. I grew up watching her on Three's Company. She has transformed herself into an incredible mecca of health and wellness and has really shown that through bravery, you can survive. Take a listen. Welcome, Suzanne, to the podcast. I am so excited to talk to you today. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. I mean, you probably hear this all the time, but I grew up watching you on Three's Company. <laughs> uh, it, you know, I was a family rite of passage that we all sat down every week to watch you. And so I've loved you forever and you've made me laugh forever, which makes me so happy. <laughs> well, I love doing that show. And I, I, I realized the, the um, depth of that show, if you can use the word depth uh, in conjunction with Three's Company, uh, grows. It's, it's, it's become iconic. And I would think at this point it would all be forgotten, but it's the, the buzz around it is more than it's ever been from my perspective. Yeah. So how nice, how nice. Yeah. So I would love to go back to your early years. What got you interested in starting out as, you know, in the industry, whether it was acting, modeling, and what excited you about that? Um, nothing. I, 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 did not, <laughs> I did not plan this at all. I, I was preoccupied at the time with paying the rent, which is ironic because Three's Company was all about, we never had enough money for the rent. I got pregnant at 18 and gave birth to my son uh, one month after my 19th birthday. And at that time, he's uh, in his 50s now. So at that time, it was very shameful to have to get married and I had to get married first time I ever had sex. And, um, on that wedding night, I thought I can't do this. I, 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 just, I cannot be in a loveless marriage, but I, when I gave birth to the baby, I, I've never felt such love. So I didn't want to tear apart his core family, but at the same thing, I, I, I needed to find my own way and have a life. The, the, prep I had for the career I have today was um, a violent childhood with an alcoholic father. And I used to, in the dark of the back of my closet, write notes, imaginary notes that I never read to anybody. But I realized that was a lot of preparation for the books that I wrote later on. And now I've written 27 books. And they all have to do with the quality of life, um, the human condition, and whatever I'm going through at the time where I'm going through it, mm-hmm. be it, um, you know, needing therapy and, and getting back. I wrote a book called Keeping Secrets, which became a movie and it was on the New York Times bestseller list for uh, 26 weeks. First, first real book out there. Uh, and first person who ever wrote about herself in this vein. It wasn't flattering of hiding in the closet and what it's like in a violent alcoholic home. And when it came out, did something that I didn't realize uh, that it would, and that is that it opened up everybody's um, feelings who had gone through something similar. And oh my, were there a lot of people? Nobody had ever written the story from the standpoint of the child who didn't drink, but was just as screwed up by alcohol as the siblings they had and I had who were drinking. So um, my preparation for show business was I got 
the lead in Guys and Dolls in high school. Doesn't sound like a big deal. I was Adelaide, and I, in looking back, was great as Adelaide. I was Adelaide. So when I, I, I bring up that story, because there was a guy by the name of Walter Winchell, who at that time, he wasn't of my generation. My parents knew who he was, and he had a, a distinct sound of his radio show. He had distinct wardrobe they wore. A, I tell you that because the closing night of my high school musical, he came, and one of the characters in Guys and Dolls had been fashioned after by David Runyon uh, on Walter Winchell. So the drama teacher, he had us all sit down on the stage, and he introduced Walter Winchell. And Walter Winchell walks on the stage, and he comes right up to me, and he says, you're going someplace, sister. And because of that, I got a scholarship to college. And it was in that summer of that, of that year that I had sex for the very first time and got pregnant, and that's when I had to get married, and I, I had to give up my scholarship, and I just thought, oh, wow, I'm such a loser. I, I, my big chance, and I've lost it. But, you know, out of every negative comes a positive, and I had to find, I couldn't stay married, and nobody got divorced at that time, so there's a lot of shame around me, around uh, having a baby, uh, that I had to get married, and, and then getting a divorce. First person I knew of in my small hometown of San Bruno, California, who got a divorce. Nobody divorced back then. If you, you, if you, I doubt you were alive then, but it's only in a future generations that it became commonplace. And so I took my child and I moved to Sausalito. I didn't know anybody there. I got a apartment for $200 a month. And I started making my living doing what? I was, I was qualified for nothing. I was an extra in movies and I, I, I was a model because I didn't know what else to do. I was like a, a model with a very small M. <laughs> and uh, I was a girl at the back of the Chevrolet and the car ads in Monterey and those kinds of things. I was eking out a living. And I, during this time, met Alan Hamill, who I've been married to uh, for 54 years. And I was so in love. I'd never experienced that you could feel like that. And I don't know how, you know, things happen in mysterious ways. I don't know how I saw this or where I got it, but there was something at that time called the trades and it would list all the interviews for shows who wanted to cast. And I saw that Tuesday at two o'clock in Burbank, California, NBC Studios, they were auditioning for the Dom DeLuise show. And the description was small town girl doesn't know who she is and doesn't know what she looks like. I was smart enough to think, well, God, that's me. I won't have to act. That's just who I am. But mainly what it, what appealed to me was I, I could fly down to Los Angeles and maybe get to spend the night with Alan Hamill, who I was so in love with. So I called Alan and I said, I have a, a an interview next Tuesday at Burbank uh, at uh, two o'clock. He says, well, good. I'll pick you up to the airport. And why don't you stay over? Okay, exactly going to plan. And he said, then I'll take you home in the morning. And so that's what happened. And um, I go over to NBC Burbank. And, you know, when you're, I wasn't bluffing. So it was my reality. I had, I had an interview. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know you needed an agent. I didn't, I didn't know anything that, that you needed to have an appointment. I just knew a girl that is described looking like me two o'clock at the casting office for the Dom Del Rey show. 
So I walk in and all these beautiful blonde girls are sitting there. I thought, oh gosh. And I did what they did. They signed in, then the receptionist gave them a script. So I signed in, they gave me a script. Then I was called in. And when I finished, the producer finished and he said, very nice. I said, well, thank you. And I'm thinking, I'm what you're looking for. I'm a small town girl that doesn't know who she is and doesn't know what she looks like. He said, I'm going to give you a call back. I said, well, thank you. So I go out to the receptionist and I said, I have a call back. She said, well, good for you. And I said, what is that? And she said, well, they're going to call you back. I said, when? I don't know. Uh, today? Um, yeah, today. And now I'm starting to annoy her because I'm her problem now. I said, well, where do I go? And she said, I don't know. Most important words ever said to me in my career. Why don't you go wait in the commissary? So I go over to the commissary. I'm all alone and I'm sitting there. And in the double doors walks Johnny Carson, who was the biggest star on television at that time. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's Johnny Carson. Oh, my gosh, that's Johnny Carson. I think, is he walking over to me? And he walks over to my table because I'm the only one in the whole commissary because it's you know not lunchtime anymore. And he said, well, hey, little lady, what are you doing here? And I said, I have a callback because <laughs> now I've got some lingo. And he said, um, who? And I said, Tom Dolly. He said, oh, he's a good friend of mine. I hope you get it. And so all I had with me, I didn't have an eight by 10. I had my first book I had written in 1973, a book of poetry called Touch Me. And it had a good picture of me on the front. So I just shoved it at him. That, was Wednesday and Friday of that week I made my television debut on the Tonight Show and I thought wow. they love my poetry but I had one credit I didn't think any of these things were important I you know I didn't think writing a book of poetry it was dumb I've always written poetry and I got a part in American Graffiti one line one night I made $136.72 I hadn't seen it I didn't know it was the number one box office in America so I'm standing that night behind that famous curtain on the Tonight Show, nervous, as you can imagine. And I hear Johnny Carson say, well, we've all been wondering who the mysterious blonde in the Thunderbird is. And I'm thinking, you were? And he said, well, we found her. And they open the curtain and I walk out and the audience goes, woo. And I just didn't understand it. And I sat down next to Johnny and we got along great in my nervousness because I was so small town. And in a way, he was too. And uh, he started having me on every month for the first year. Every month, I was the resident poet. I'd come and I'd read Johnny Carson a poem. And they put an isolated camera on him, and he'd make all these faces and get laughs. So all hosts or comedians like to uh, work opposite someone who's going to make them look good and laugh and all that. And my little book of poetry called Touch Me became the number one best-selling book of poetry in America. Look at these these things that have happened to me. And that's why when you said, how did you go after this? I thought, I didn't. I really feel I was, I, I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. And um, one or many times, or I don't know how many times, but the um, uh, president of ABC was watching me on the Carson show. And they had tried two other Chrissy Snows on Three's Company. And neither of them tested well. And as Fred Silverman, the president of ABC, later told me, he said, I said at the meeting, I got the girl. I said, I see her on the Tonight Show all the time. And so because of, because of that thing I read in the trades about the 
interview because I wanted to see Alan Hamill flying down, kind of bombarding my way into this interview, knowing nothing. I now find myself on the number one show on uh, sitcom on television. And that's how it all began. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, what's wild and what I see as you tell me this beginning story is there's a through line of real bravery in your life, whether it was, you know, surviving the abuse of your father to leaving a marriage that you, you know, was a big deal to leave marriages then. I know that because my, my parents were, were forced to get married because it was shameful to be living in sin together. Right. You know, and as I continue on your story and, and with some of the research I've done, you know, whether you stood up for yourself and said, I will make this amount of money or I won't work or speaking out loud about your views on alternative health treatments, which I would love to get to because I am a super fan of that. Thank you. Where does this bravery come from? Is it from within? And and how do you feel you've been able to take that strong stance and and live your life with it? Well, I never have looked at it as bravery, but I, I, as you say that, I think, well, I guess it was. When you hide in the closet night after night, and uh, it, it's just awful. I grew up in fear terrible fear and he would get violent he never meant to like hit us but he was out of control and he'd break something and my mother grabbed me stop that and my brother come in and punch him and I, I'd go to sleep if I got to get in the bed crying uh, most nights but one night in particular I think was life-changing for me if it doesn't break you it makes you and I think this is what happened my mother made me my junior prom dress. My first time I'd ever gone out dressed up and on a date. I didn't date because I didn't want any boy to come to the front door and uh, encounter my father. But she took me to the costume department uh, in San Francisco where they made all the 
costumes for the opera and all that. And she let me pick out any fabric I wanted, which was so great of her. And she made my clothes. And I picked out peach and pink sequin for the bodice, and then uh, a layer of peach and a layer of pink chiffon for a double skirt. And my father was very jealous that we're working on this project together. We'd be sitting in the back room at the sewing machine and and giggling and he he would he would make snide remarks so the night before this prom the dress is finished and we hung it over the door of my closet and I went to bed looking at it thinking oh wow tomorrow night that's going to be so great but at three o'clock in the morning in his drunkenness he decided that I was it tonight it's never good to be it and he bangs open my um, my bedroom door. He bangs on the overhead light. He walks towards that dress. He says, you think you're something, huh? You think you're going to wear this dress and go out and have all the boys tell you how pretty you are? Well, you're nothing. And he took my dress and he started tearing it up. And my mother came in screaming, what are you crazy? What are you crazy? And um, he, again, not meaning to really hit her, but he was out of control. He punched her in the breast. And she fell to the floor and she's crying. I'm 16. And I, I saw a white light of rage that I never thought I was capable of having. And I had a tennis racket and I was standing on the bed screaming, Daddy, don't, 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 Daddy. I picked up the tennis racket with all my might to get him to stop. I banged it down on his head and gave him a concussion. Now blood is every place. And my mother, who was um, a classic codependent, oh, no, no, and we're everybody's screaming, everybody's upset. And she pulls him out of my bedroom and blood is everywhere and pulls him through the living room and down the front porch and into the car. And I ran around the back of the house going, mommy, mommy, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to kill daddy. And um, she drove off and I thought she was so mad at me. I then had to get rid of this craziness. So I take the hose. And at uh, three o'clock in the morning, I'm out there washing the sidewalk and washing the steps. And when I finally got it done outside, I go into the, the house and I was scrub, scrubbing the rugs and scrubbing and scrubbing. And I looked at myself and I was covered in blood and I took that off. And finally, at five o'clock in the morning, I finished and I went into my closet and slumped on the floor and just not even knowing what I was feeling, just my heart must have been pounding like crazy. And I heard them pull into the driveway. I looked out the little window of my closet and there was my mother walking him up the front stairs with a bandage around his head. I had given him a concussion. I don't know how many stitches I gave him. And I think that night represented what you are referring to. No, no. You're not going to do this anymore. And I, I call it, I got the all show use. Every time from there on in, when he tell me I was a loser, I think to myself, yeah, well, I'll show you. And so maybe that's where it all began. And so out of the worst things that happen to you in your life, um, it often is your opportunity if you choose to look at it that way. And I found everything like that. So, so all of that led me to where I am today with, um, uh, I loved, loved being Chrissy Snow on Three's Company. Loved it. I loved her. I loved being her. I would morph into her. 
I can still snap her on in a minute. And whenever I do it, people are, you know, delighted. And I was on that show for, I can't remember if it was five or six years. And um, my contract was up. And when I signed that contract, as you can imagine, I signed on for anything. I didn't care. I didn't even care if they paid me. But now we're five or six years into it. I've been on hundreds of math, uh, magazine covers, including the cover of Newsweek and, uh, and the Tonight Show and, and uh, featured on 60 Minutes when 60 Minutes was 60 Minutes. And um, uh, so I wanted to renegotiate. I had to because I didn't have a contract. It was up and over. And I said to my husband, I'd like to be paid what the highest paid men are on television. My show's number one. My demographics are the highest of any woman in television. And so let's, you know, open the negotiation. Well, what I didn't know was right before then, Laverne and Shirley had renegotiated and their show was called Laverne and Shirley. And the two of them went in together and they renegotiated a uh, contract that um, gave ABC a colonic and they decided, let's put a stop to this. And so I was the next one who came along and they said, if we can fire the number one star on television, no other woman will have the audacity to do that. And so my husband went into the um, meeting armed with the information to um, um negotiate and he uh, he said they they fired you within five minutes there was no negotiation and I was waiting at home I didn't have a cell phone then nobody did and I'm waiting and waiting and there's a sound when the front door opens and it's good news (laughs) and then there's a sound when the front door opens and it's bad news and this was definitely bad news and then paddling up the stairs I met him at the landing and he looked at me and he said, you're out. I said, I'm out. He said, they were going to fire you. They, they didn't even let me talk. This, this, they had a plan. Now, if that had happened today, you know, with um, equal rights and all that, um, I, I, I would own ABC. But um, I was the first one and I was embarrassed that they fired me. I didn't see it for what it was at the time. So... I kept it real quiet, and I um, I just kind of thought, how sad that I'm off television. And people would say to me on the street, oh, I so miss you on that show. I'm sorry you left. And I'm always thinking, I didn't leave. I was fired. Um, but I, I was, it was embarrassing to me at the time that I was fired. So out of every negative, you can turn it into a positive if you want. I said to my husband, because I was sitting in the living room and I hear voices. And I guess the question I was asking in my head is why? And um, the voice said, why are you focused on what you don't have? Why don't you focus on what you do have? And I thought, what do I have? And then I hear the voice. Now I'm talking to this voice. The voice said, you have enormous visibility. Everyone in this country and most countries around the world knows your name. I never thought about that. So I went to Alan and I said, you know what? I have um, a lot of popularity here and around the world and they know my name and I would like to do a Vegas act. And I had been appearing on different people's uh, specials and I was the last one to work with um, John Wayne (laughs) and I worked with Frank Sinatra and I, you know, I I had some fun because the show was number one. So you always get the number one female on the number one show to pair up with anybody in their special. 
So he went to Vegas and after several hotels that offered uh, deals that he wasn't interested in, he made a deal for me at the MGM Grand Hotel at um, better money than I was asking for on Three's Company. And, And that wasn't my goal. And I opened up at the MGM Grand Hotel and got great reviews because it was such a curiosity for people who wanted to see, well, what's Chrissy going to do on stage? And um, I was very successful in Vegas. In 1985, I was female entertainer of the year, as well as Frank Sinatra was male entertainer of the year. And I have a picture of that, which is kind of wonderful. And... um, that's kind of been the trajectory to turn lemons into lemonade. Uh, don't let the bastards get you down. So let's dive into the bastards because you spoke out about something that was taboo, but wasn't going against a full uh, mainstream media assault. And then you come out yeah. and you say, Hey, you know, I can treat my cancer in a different way, in an alternative way. And here are other alternative forms of health. Now you're, now you're, now you're, you're, you know, now you're waking the sleeping bear. And my dad, (laughs) my dad is in alternative medicine. So I, I love everything you came for, (laughs) but now you've woken the beast. Yeah. What went through your mind when you did that? Or did you not know you were going to wake the beast? And how have you managed to navigate that and continue to share health with people who are, who most often only think there's one way? Yeah. Well, in all the books that I've written, it became clear to me early on. And now I had awakened the beast. That's an interesting way to put it. Thank you. Our present medical system is broken. It's, uh, and I know how that happened. I asked one doctor in one of my books, how did this happen? He said, well, at the turn of the century, there was a guy by the name of Abraham Flexner. And he was hired by the two richest families in the country, the Carnegie's and the Rockefeller's, who owned pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. They sent Abraham Flexner to the Institutes of Higher Learning, like Johns Hopkins and Mayo Clinic, et cetera, to only teach allopathic medicine, meaning here's my problem, doctor, and the doctor's saying, here's the antidote for your problem, which is a pill. And I just thought it was an antiquated way to go. And then I started experiencing, which nobody had talked about, was hormonal decline. I never thought it would happen to me. I didn't know that it happened to every woman. And I went from doctor to doctor to doctor. And the final doctor I went to, who was old school, he patted me on the back and he said, the the pharmaceutical companies know best, dear. And I kind of looked at him, I thought, you old fool, they don't know best. And so I heard about a doctor, an endocrinologist in Santa Barbara, So she uh, requested labs for my blood and urine to determine where my declines were. And the day of my appointment, I drove up there like a maniac and I sat in her office and she's looking at my chart. She goes, oh, you poor thing. And I said, what? She said, well, you have almost no progesterone. That's your feel-good hormone. And your estrogen is barely uh, registering. She said, you must feel awful. I said, I do. I feel awful. And I usually feel great. She said, well, I'm going to start you on bioidentical hormones, biologically identical to the human hormone, an exact replica of what we once made or still make a little of. And, and she said, but I can't give you everything you need right now. I said, why? She said, it took a long time to lose these hormones, so we've got to build them back up gradually. She, and I said, oh, why? She said, 
you can't play around with hormones. If you give too much too fast, you literally go crazy. So we started, she said, you'll feel uh, the results very quickly. And she was right. Within two weeks, I, I coined it the seven dwarves of menopause, itchy, bitchy, sleepy, sweaty, bloated, forgetful, and all dried up. And within two weeks, the itching wasn't so bad. And I was in a much better mood. And I felt sexual again. I had lost that. And the longer it went on, it took me about one year to hit the sweet spot of tweaking. She tweaked every time I called with a issue. And a year into it, I felt great. I, I felt stronger, better, smarter, sexy. I felt everything. And I thought women need to know about this. And they had bought my book, uh, Keeping Secrets. That was a huge bestseller, as I said. It started a movement called the Adult Children of Alcoholics Movement for those of us who didn't drink alcoholically. Everything in my life started becoming better. And I started sharing it with women and doing lectures on it. Because when you write the first book and the second book and third book, it, you, your body of knowledge just grows and grows. And um, I, I first started speaking to a couple of hundred women at a time, then a few hundred women. I remember one time we were in Toronto and I was booked to do a, a, a lecture on hormones and women's health at um, the Thompson Center. And I, I, I were, we drove up and there were all these women walking arm in arm towards the Thompson Center, and I thought, I wonder where they're going. So I pull in into the underground and walk upstairs. And when I walked out there, there were 9,000 women at my lecture. And I realized women in particular are starving for clarity. Nobody has, has taken care of them at this juncture in their lives. And without being on a replacement, you have no quality of life. What you have now is almost worse. You have life extension. We're all going to live to be 90 and 100 or maybe older, but we don't have quality of life unless we know. My last book, my most recent book, is called A New Way to Age. And I said simply, you know, aging is about worn out parts. It, you, your hormones decline, your nutrients decline, your minerals decline. And that, that has bonded me to women. That's who comes to my Facebook live shows. We taught Alan and I, you know, he, he runs the camera and he's a bad boy in a good way and they love him. They've all got a crush on him, but mainly what they like is watching this love story and, uh, no BS at all, at all, at all. And, um, some shows I start with the tequila because I realize that women and men don't like to drink alone, but if you can have a drink with Suzanne and Alan, and tequila is probably the best choice because it's little to no sugar if you get the clear. So that's bonding also. And uh, and then I sell organic products on the show because I realize we're under the greatest environmental assault in the history of humanity. And so what we eat has poison on it. I, I don't know who thought it was a good idea to spray poison on your food. I don't know. But it's done more than not now. So we talk about that. We talk about, you know, if you put chemicals on your skin through your skin care. When you look at your skin in a microscope, those little pores look like holes. And it makes sense when you rub on chemical creams, expensive and nice, smell good, etc. That chemical goes into your bloodstream. And now you've got these, uh, you know, bad cats uh, catting around in your body. 
So they're liking the message and I like the message and I like, it's, it's how I live my life. I, I don't use any chemicals, not in my food, not on my skin, not in my hair care. My makeup is chemical free. The lipstick we make is lead free. That's a big one. People don't realize how much lead we take in through our lips. And I don't think it's any accident that Alzheimer's and dementia and brain issues are huge. Uh, they say from my generation now, 50% of us will uh, get uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. And I think at all costs, I would do anything to save my brain. So that's how it all began. And that's where it is. And it keeps growing. I don't know where it's going to go next. I'm working on a 28th book and um, we're going to do a, a reality show. I don't know how that will go. I'll give it a shot. And I plan to be back on the Vegas stage at 80. You are such an incredible example of survival, of resilience, of thriving and health. And mm -hmm. I just feel so honored to be able to talk to you. And everyone, if you're listening, tune in to Suzanne's Facebook live show on her website, SuzanneSummers.com, where you can see her and Alan, enjoy a tequila, learn about all things health <laughs> and wellness and about great alternatives to the, the Western medicine we've been fed and killing us for so long. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Four o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Awesome. I so appreciate the time. And um, thank you so much for um, allowing me to tell this story. Thank you. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.